0: When you hear that big old stand-up bass, you know what time it is. It is time for the Steam Room. Ernie Johnson and Charles Barkley with you. This is um, show number three of season two. It is show number one of 2021.
1: (sighs) Yes, 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 yes.
0: Let the good times roll, Chuckster. Happy New Year to you, man. Happy New Year.
1: Happy New Year, brother. This is going to be so much better than the last year. Uh, I'm gonna make it better no matter what, because nothing sucked as bad as 2020. Nothing. Well, we're holding you to that then. So, Ernie, well, I got a couple, first of all. Oh, I can't wait. First of all, you know you have a lot of money when you get 100 nut Cheerios. I've had the regular Cheerios. First of all, you know anybody ride a motorcycle who makes millions of dollars is an idiot. First of all, zero plus zero is zero. Well, listen, I'm gonna be the bigger man and congratulate the University of Alabama on another national championship. It's impressive, man. It's impressive. And let me tell you something. That little wide receiver, Devontae, mm-hmm. woo! One of the best performances I've ever seen.
0: Hey, he broke my heart a couple of years ago when they yeah. beat
1: Georgia in the national championship. Yeah, yeah, we were at that game. Yep. And but that's one and to get hurt and get all those catches in the first half before he hurt his hand. Uh, And listen, uh, you guys know I think Coach Saban is the greatest college football coach ever. Nothing but respect for him. We had him on the podcast last year. You know, I've had this argument uh, in Alabama quite a bit. And listen, I tell people, I mean, no disrespect to Bear Bryant. He was great. But if you factor in some things that I say separate Coach Saban from Coach Bryant, you have to factor in segregation. That's only fair. Secondly, you have to factor in scholarship limitations. Coach Bryant, as great as he was, he used to get all the extra players to keep him away from Auburn in Georgia. But the number one thing is the number of players that go pro from Alabama every year. Players never went pro back in Coach Bryant days. Nothing but respect for Coach Bryant, but Nick Saban is the GOAT. Uh, to win seven national championships, six in 12 years, Six and 12 years. Uh, that's incredible. Chuckster, I, a couple of years ago, or maybe last year, I don't know,
0: I heard Lane Kiffin on the uh, Dan Libertad show, and he was talking about his time in Alabama. And he was talking about you could just see in pregame warmups, looking at his, looking at Alabama and looking at whoever they were playing. And it was obvious at that point that too deep. They were better than everybody else on the field. Yeah, and it's you know, it's been a remarkable it's been a remarkable thing to watch. And uh, shout out to Coach Saban because he's yeah. Uh, yeah
1: he's one of a kind. Listen, obviously being from Alabama, I know a lot of players. They love Coach Saban. <laughs> they they like, no man, you love Coach Saban.
0: That seventh championship for him ranks right up there with his appearance on the steam room last year. I think in importance
1: to him. <laughs> That's true. And I want to give a shout out again. Uh, I said it uh, at the beginning. I want to thank Gus Malzahn for everything he did for my college, Auburn University, the greatest place in the world. Uh, I wish Coach uh, Malzahn nothing but success in the future. And I want to welcome Coach Harzan. We've texted. I told him anything he needs from me. I'm excited. I'm going to tell you why I like this coach. Because, you know, he grew up in Boise. He was head coach at Boise could have stayed comfortable in Boise for the next 20 years and live happily ever after, and won seven, eight games a year, and nobody would never complain in Boise, Idaho. But he wanted to challenge himself to come down to Alabama and go against King Kong across the state. Kirby Smart's doing a fantastic job at Georgia. Coach Mullen is doing a fantastic job down at Florida. But I'm I'm excited about Auburn going forward. So I just want to welcome Coach Harson. And my last first of all is, as I told y'all last week, this long national nightmare is over. The Pittsburgh Steelers are done. Thanks to Steve Fiorello and the Cleveland Browns, Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb. I forget the other running back's name, but listen, Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham, who's hurt. But this national nightmare is over. When y'all beat us 20 straight times, it is over. O-V-E-R. Shout out to the Cleveland Browns and my man, Steve Fiorello, who for 20 straight years has told me it's our year. And after 20 years, he's finally right.
0: If you're scratching your head while you listen to this, (laughs) Steve Fiorello is the director of Inside the NBA. Tim Kylie is the producer. So Tim's a, an avid Steeler fan. Steve, as Chuck has pointed out, an avid Cleveland Browns fan. And I'm sure that TK, in his portion of this podcast a little bit later, will be anxious to respond to your outburst. I'll tell you one thing that surprises me, though, Chuck. I thought one of your
1: first of alls would be James Harden to Brooklyn. You know, I was going to save it for the show, but I'm glad you brought it up. James Harden, as y'all know, has been traded to Brooklyn. And I wanted, first of all, I want y'all to know, I don't think it's going to work. I don't think Kyrie and James Harden are capable of sacrificing enough for that team to win. That's just my personal opinion. I think that they're all terrific players, but KD is the man. And I don't know if Kyrie and James are selfless, selfless enough to say, hey, he's the guy. We're going to get less shots, and we're going to do other things to help the team win.
0: Well, Kyrie's the X factor in that thing, especially right now because nobody knows what he's doing.
1: Well, see, Ernest, you say he's the X factor. I think Kevin and the Nets had had enough of Kyrie, and they said, no, 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 because to me, they're going to be just as good with James if Kyrie's not there as they would have been with Kyrie and James. But I think the Nets said to themselves, we can't trust this guy. Let's go get James Harden. Now, if Kyrie comes in and buys in, they're going to be tough to beat. But he's never shown anything in his career that, that make me think he's going to do that. Because, you know, Ernie, his track record is not good. His track record is not good. And people can point to that championship he won with LeBron. A lot of guys won a championship riding with LeBron. But you have to look at everything else before and after, and it's not a good report on Kyrie. And I think Kevin Durant pulled the trigger. He's like, I cannot trust this guy. I need some help. We're going to be, like I say, whether Kyrie is here or not, if I got James, which he's right, James and KD together, they're going to be pretty formidable.
0: That's an interesting point you make about maybe KD saying that maybe you can interview him and get a one word response from him. It'll be yes.
1: (laughs) I said, KD, did you make the trade for James Harden? Yeah. That would be his answer. And you know what's going to be interesting? What is going to be interesting? Aaron, I think we talked about this, I think, on the first show of the year. I wanted this to happen. You did. You went on the record that night and yeah. said, look, if if I'm Houston and, and Brooklyn's going to give up young
0: talent and that kind of thing, you would make the deal.
1: Yes, because I want to see this social experiment. And the X factor, you're talking about Kyrie, To me, the X factor is Steve Nash. The next time Steve Nash raises his voice, it'll be the first time. And to have three egos like that. And I mean, Kyrie's already said, we don't need a coach. And I think that, to me, is going to be the most fascinating thing. I mean, Ernie, think about it. We had this dude on the show last week and he says, I don't know where Kyrie's at. And it's like, wait, you gotta, you can't just not show up at work and not call your coach. Yeah. So you, you factor all this in. Uh, I just want to be first on the record and say, I don't think this thing gonna work at all. That is first of all, and we are underway. Special,
0: special guest today. Oh, do we ever. You've seen him on CNN countless times. It doesn't matter what the hour of the day, it's just when you know things get to a certain point, you got to bring him in and somehow he's got some time for us anderson cooper joins us next on the steam
1: room the best laugh on television also
0: (laughs) (laughs) and we welcome you back to the steam room thank you so much for joining us man we've
1: got Chuckster, go ahead. This is a special, special guest right here. And it's a special time, but this is big time, America. This is something
0: else. Uh, You know, already on the steam room in our relatively brief, but as Charles likes to say, illustrious history, (laughs) we've had CNN guests before. We've had uh, Jake Tapper. We've had Van Jones. We've had Sanjay Gupta, Don Lemon. And today we welcome Anderson Cooper to the show, and we are honored, Anderson, to have you with us. Only one ground rule for our guests: we ask that you, while in the steam room, you you keep your towel on. And uh, that was that was an issue with Don, but but he but he came (laughs) around, so so we're all good. So thanks for being with us, man. I guess there's nothing going on in your world these days, huh?
2: Yeah, it's a pretty quiet time. I uh, (laughs) I'm happy to talk for a couple hours if you want.
0: I'm always um, a little afraid when we do have CNN guests on that suddenly there's going to be a phone call and you're going to say, "Boop, because guys, got to go." So hopefully, yeah. hopefully that won't happen.
2: It happens with alarming regularity, particularly now. Yeah, I've lost like I don't really have any friends left because they're all just so sick of me making plans and then canceling them last minute.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Chuckster, what's on your mind, man? Hey, Anderson, how long have you been covering the news? Like 25, 26 years. But the last four had to be the most challenging because I've never seen a president that never gives you guys a day off. I mean, you know, Ernie was joking, like just watching TV for the last four years, it's been like, wow, something every single day. Do you feel the same way? Look,
2: I started uh, on my own going to wars with a little home video camera and a press pass that a friend of mine made for me. And, you know, I thought that was challenging and and it was, I was in Somalia and Rwanda and Bosnia and all these places, but the last four years have been a, a different level of intensity. Frankly, it's just the volume of lies that we have to kind of deal with every day. And it's taken a while to kind of figure out, you know, you can get so caught up in just trying to correct the lies that are being spoken and you can end up doing that endlessly and not do anything else. And you sort of have to balance, like at a certain point, do you keep going down the rabbit hole of trying to correct every lie? Or do you, you know, how do you go about reporting on an administration like this?
1: You know, I was watching just like you Well, like, first of all, anybody who's a human being had to be watching what happened at the Capitol. I'm sitting here like, Wow, this is like something you see in different countries. I've never heard the word coup cool yeah. <laughs> mentioned in the United States. I mean, you hear it all the time when you guys are talking about different countries. And I'm just sitting here like, these guys really doing this? I was kind of in shock just watching the whole thing. How about yourself?
2: Yeah. I mean, you you know, it is the kind of thing I've seen in countries I've reported in and, you know, where societies have fallen apart or governments have fallen. I was in Egypt during the revolution. I got, you know, punched around by a mob of people. I've been in the middle of a mob like that. It is not something I really ever expected to see in our nation's capital. And even now, I don't think we have a full understanding of just exactly how terrible this was. You know, we're starting to see some videos. Prosecutors have now come forward. The FBI is still looking for people. You know, the amount of videos they've seen, and they have said, once those videos come out, people will understand just how terrible this really was. You know, this wasn't just like a mob of people and police officers got injured in the melee. This was like individual acts of people tasering cops, beating up police officers. You know, beating up with an American flagpole one officer was killed another officer ended up taking his life a- after this you know i think the the full scope of what went on is still to be really understood
0: you know anderson when i was watching that i don't know where the term embarrassment ranked with you in terms of the things you were feeling but that it certainly resonated with me as i watched it this is incredibly embarrassing from start to finish from the speech and the rabble rousing to when you actually saw the events take place and now You know, when you hear things about certain lawmakers giving tours of the Capitol to people who were later involved in this, is that accurate? Is that on the mark?
2: Some uh, lawmakers have made those
0: allegations
2: and raised that possibility. It's still, from my understanding, the latest reporting that we have is that it's still being looked at. You know, I, I don't think they know for sure one one way or another, but I think, you know, they're not supposed to be tours of the Capitol now because of COVID. So I think the fact that there were some tours, that's why a number of Democratic lawmakers kind of noticed that there were tours and wondered what was going on and and then became suspicious Again, I don't think they know for sure, but that's certainly the allegation that's been made by by some uh, Democratic lawmakers. And it, I mean, again, if that's true, it's really sickening, just like we know two Capitol Police officers uh, have been uh, suspended. Um, there's investigations in, into some others, and there's a lot that still needs to be investigated. I mean, this thing is really, it's incredibly alarming to me just how bungled this entire Day was from a security standpoint. The FBI knew there was issues. You know, anybody following online, we've been reporting the concerns that that people were very public about what they were wanting to do.
1: I was watching a couple of things on CNN, and this guy was talking to one of your reporters, and then he said, "What network are you with?" He said CNN, and he just went from zero to sixty, and then everybody else joined in, pushing and shoving. And it had to be terrifying to be in that, especially when you guys are considered the enemy network. I mean, which is the stupidest thing in the world. Well, I mean, that's something that,
2: you know, the president of the United States has been pushing from the earliest days of of this administration. And that concerned me from the first time the president said it. I mean, I think it's not only personally insulting. uh, I know, you know, I have friends who have died reporting from war zones and all of us i think believe very strongly in the idea of the importance of reporting and being accurate and being fair and being honest but the idea that reporters doing their jobs are the enemy of the people i mean you know journalism is in the constitution the importance of you know freedom of speech and it's incredibly disheartening to have the president say that and that's something which you know it's only grown since then you know i'm used to in you know, overseas having uh, governments come after reporters, having you know, like I said, I've been in mobs, I've been attacked overseas. To have that concern in the United States is uh, it's really depressing, but it, it is the reality of of where we're at right now, and, and it's largely because of this president.
0: We've now seen this president impeached twice, and watching the hearings yesterday, he, he likes to be number
2: one. He is now the number one impeached president. He's he's been impeached more than anybody else. He's been impeached twice.
0: Just amidst all that you heard yesterday, you heard his supporters saying, Look, if you really want to unite the country, you got to drop this. Number one, your reaction to that thinking. And number two, to me, Anderson, if someone would admit that this it was so far out of line and take responsibility for it, that would go a ways toward uniting. That's just the way I see it. I don't know what how you approach it.
2: Look, the president could easily, you know, he's not going to do this, but if he was a true leader, if he was a bigger person than he actually is or a stronger person than he actually is, he would say, "Look, the election was was free and fair. I was lying that there is no widespread fraud. I've had the right to fight it in dozens of courts uh, across the country, state and federal, more than 50 lawsuits." None of them have gone forward. They've been laughed out of court because there is no evidence of widespread voter fraud that would have affected the election. It was actually a remarkable election. I mean, Donald Trump got huge turnout, 74, 75 million people. Joe Biden got huge turnout. He got more turnout than than the president did. But Americans, you know, in the midst of a pandemic voted in massive numbers. And that's an amazing, extraordinary thing that frankly, if the president was a bigger person, he could have celebrated as, you know, yeah, I lost, but Americans came out in the face of a pandemic and democracy is stronger than ever. Instead, he turned what was this extraordinary victory of an election. I'm not talking about for Biden. I'm just talking about for America, for American democracy, showing that even in the face of danger to you know each individual, people were willing to, to vote. Instead, he turned this incredible turnout into the big lie. And that big lie is what directly led to people attacking the Capitol.
0: And he had laid the groundwork for that long before the election, saying if he he lost, it's rigged. That's the only way it can happen. The problem
2: is there's still, look, there's a lot of good people out there who believe the election was rigged because they believe the president. And you know, they're not people who would have stormed the Capitol, but they honestly believe that there there must be some rigging of the election. You know, we as a society move forward when you have tens of millions of people who believe that the last election was fraud. That's a really difficult thing. It would go a long way for the president, you know, with all he's done to just come forward and say, you know what? This was a free and fair election. I had my day in court. All the courts said nothing. The Supreme Court twice passed on
1: this. Um, it was a free and fair election. Let's move forward. Listen, I think the Democrats made a mistake impeaching him. Let I'm me explain why. Because you can answer this better. This thing's probably going to drag on another couple of months, correct? Not necessarily,
2: no. But, you know, there's certainly an argument against I- impeachment for a lot of different reasons. What, what, What's yours?
1: When President-elect Biden said, well, we can do it, but it's going to take a while because we could spend the first half of the day get my nominees accepted, in the second half of the day, we can get him to worry about impeachment. I thought, like, yo, man, he this dude going to be out of office next Wednesday. Let's get this guy out and forget about him. And people said, well, if they impeach him again, he can't run again in four years. I said, we shouldn't even be worried about this dude in four years. Biden got the job you know, they always talk about the first 100 days. Yeah. I don't want to spend the first 100 days or 30 days days talking about President Trump. I just I just thought that was a mistake on the Democrats' part.
2: I hear that argument. I mean, I I think I tend to be not somebody who's like calling for impeachment. I'm not calling for one thing or another. I think it's up to you know Americans to make up their own mind. They don't need a a TV person anchor telling them what they think. But I I understand that that argument. I mean, I think what and a lot of Republicans were making that argument yesterday. Even ones who criticized the president were making the argument. Look, there's only a couple days left. The question is, do there have to be repercussions for what the president did? And uh, even if he is impeached in the Senate, which seems unlikely, but is is possible. they would have to then vote again to decide whether or not if they wanted to stop him from ever being able to run for office again, that would be a second vote, so that would take even longer uh, and probably be even more divisive. you know I think it's a tough situation you know I don't think there's any good time for impeachment. it's always a divisive thing. you know I think there's valid arguments frankly on on either side of it. Um, I think the important thing is that the people who did this are brought to justice, and that we understand, you know, a the security breakdown. What exactly happened? Because I mean, that's just a huge, massive failure. Given all the money that's been poured into Homeland Security, and you know, this threat from terrorists overseas, you know, there's this threat at home now that it seems like it's a big open window uh, for people to come through. Um, and I think that's something that it has to be looked at. And then also, with what the Republican Party does. I mean. You know, there's there's folks who are QAnon conspiracy theorists who are now, you know, members of Congress. And, you know, they believe, uh, you know, the Democrats drink the blood of children and worship Satan. I mean, it's it's pretty kooky.
1: How did we get to the point in the greatest country in the world that Democrats and Republicans have to disagree on every subject? Everybody sticks to party lines, no matter what the subject is. How did we get in this awful spot where you have to have a majority of one to do what's best for the entire country? I don't know. The moment it happened, I think it's been a slow, you know,
2: turning in this direction. Certainly it doesn't help to have, you know, all these different media outlets and with social media, and you know, there's so much information and so much false information being pumped out. People have ended up listening to. Only you know the the people that they agree with, you know, you can live in the echo chamber of Trump world and only listen to people who tell you that the election is false and in that kind of world, there's no incentive to bring people together. Dividing people is what you know economically works. It's all about division, it's all about stoking up people and getting people riled up as opposed to you know, none of which is about actually getting things done and and actually accomplishing stuff.
0: Anderson, what did Donald Trump do well in his four years? The
2: speed of the operation, you know, Operation Warp Speed, as it was called, the resources put into developing a vaccine uh, is an extraordinary accomplishment. I I don't think he gets all the credit for that, but it certainly, uh, that was a big emphasis on his. I, I certainly wish that he actually then had a plan for the distribution of it. Because as we've seen, it's pretty messed up right now. Just trying to get vaccines to people was always going to be an incredibly difficult challenge. But it doesn't help when there's no actual federal plan for that, when it's just left up to the states and the states don't have the resources to really do this as well as they should. Uh, So the rollout of it, I think, has been botched. And I think, obviously, the administration's response to this is just Shameful. Um, he's been completely checked out for a long, long time. You know, we have people dying every few seconds in this country now from from COVID, and the president has said nothing about this uh, for quite some time, and hasn't been to you know meetings on this for for months and months and months. So, you know, the emphasis on on the vaccine has has been an accomplishment. You know, if you had money in the stock market, then you know you've done pretty well probably in the last couple of years but most Americans don't have money in the, in the stock market. Republicans used to care about the deficit. That seems to have gone out the window. The deficit is through the roof right now. So this administration, I think, will go down in history uh, in a very poor way. I don't think history is not going to be kind, I think, to to this president.
1: I think a lot of people think the economy was doing great uh, a year and a half ago. And there's no right or wrong answer. And I'm not sure you can give me a right or wrong answer. If this COVID thing doesn't happen, do the Democrats win? Hmm.
2: I don't know the enough of the, the metrics of, were enough people just sick of the lies, sick of the daily drama, sick of the daily angst of what's happening now, what's the president said now? Were they sick of that enough that it would have made a difference in an election? You know, certainly COVID, I think, just as, you know, Hurricane Katrina showed an awful lot to people around the world about... Uh, you know, the leadership of, you know, various officials and the failures of leadership. I think COVID exposed something that that already existed, but but suddenly became very clear of the failures of this president. And not only did it become clear, you know, it actually cost human lives and people died because of it. And I think it's impossible to know when an election would have swung if something hadn't happened.
0: What's the biggest challenge facing Joe Biden now?
2: man which one i'm no economic expert but there's a lot of hurt out there there's people on you know all sides of the political aisle all different backgrounds you know i mean i live in new york city i've stuck it out here throughout throughout this entire time and the bar next to me is closed down the businesses on my street are uh, are closing down uh, it's it's brutal and this virus is still out there and there's the economy but also just the and we are so divided and and people are so angry and there's so much hostility. I think just lowering the temperature is something that everybody needs to do. I mean, myself included and and everybody who's, you know, reporting is not sustainable and it's not good for this country. I think we all just need to kind of take a deep breath and just, you know, really think about who we want to be as a country. And I hear people talking about civil war and as if it's like, you know, just kind of some sort of palate cleanser. I mean, I've been to civil wars and we don't want that here. I mean, I've I've seen what happens and it's, it's brutal. And once it's broken, it's very hard to put back together again.
1: I can't believe the power of Twitter. They used to have press briefings all the time. He did away with press briefings and just attacked the world and said whatever he wanted to say. Are you a little surprised that Twitter had that huge effect upon just the entire world.
2: I find Twitter just awful. I don't read it. I'll occasionally look at it, but I find like my, you know, I, I got with this whoop thing that measures my heart rate variability and and my heartbeat. You know, I can see my heart rate rise as I, you know, start reading stuff on Twitter. I just stopped doing it. Um, and my life got much, much better. I, I just think there's so much vitriol and in information, and everybody feels this need to like get in on the stream of information and have their opinion heard. And and that's you know it's great that every- people have that opportunity. It just seems to go nowhere. There's so many people who have like lost their jobs because of stupid stuff they've said on Twitter. I just like took my foot off the gas pedal, and I was like, you know what, I. I'm, I'm out of this. I don't want to be in this stream anymore. You can be on Twitter and you can start to think, oh, my God, I got to get in on this. And this thing is build, building and bubbling. And but most normal people are not following on Twitter the ins and ups and the downs. I, I, so I'm not sure how much power it actually has. But certainly the president has been, you know, it's allowed him to just put out stuff and not have to answer questions and that's why you know he did away with the briefings Kaylee McEnany and and Stephanie Grisham before her you know they stopped having briefings you know he only started getting in on the briefings of the coronavirus task force because he saw Fauci was getting really popular and he wanted to get in on those briefings because he wanted to get some of the Fauci's popularity and then he took them over he pushed Fauci out once he made the statement about injecting people with
0: fluorescent lights and then with disinfectant.
2: Yeah. Then suddenly he stopped doing briefings because he realized he'd made a fool of himself. And,
0: um, and that was the the last of that. Kind of along those lines, Anderson. I mean, look, you've, you have interviewed every leader in the world. You, I mean, I, I don't even wouldn't even venture a guess as to how many folks you have interviewed in the course of your career. But have you ever had any one interview as bizarre as the My Pillow guy? Um,
2: yeah, I think I'm currently being sued by the My Pillow guy. So, uh-oh, uh-oh. anything? Uh, but you know, yeah, I would. You know, folks can go and, and watch that, and uh, it's it's interesting.
0: Uh, no, that's not true, Anderson, and you know it. I don't know. You probably well, I, sleep I, out of I, my
1: pillow. <laughs> uh, uh, well, sir, I don't. I, I don't, just, I I don't not, actually. I don't I, even know I don't who think you
0: Secretary are. Car- I'm just telling so you, me, this is the answer. Wouldn't you want to save lives? Sir, this is what my heart is. I've yours, I gave it to my friends yeah, and family. Wow. You this really saved are their like their a snake oil salesman. You,
2: you could be in the old west standing on a box telling people to drink your amazing elixir.
0: I do what Jesus has me do. I give the glory to God and I want you to help people. Jesus That's wants my you passion. I'm not driven. I'm not money driven. Remedies
2: that are not remedies that they've never been tested. I am not money
0: driven. Does this happen often? Do you get sued a lot, Anderson? I don't get sued a lot. No, I don't. I, I've, I've, uh, buy a couple of his pillows. Maybe he'll drop it.
2: Yeah, I, I'm, I am being sued. Uh, from what I understand, I, I'm not sure the current status of uh, of all.
1: Hey, Anderson, welcome to the real world, brother. I get sued all the time. <laughs> <Do you really? laughs> oh, I live my life to try not to like offend
2: people and I try to be nice to people. And so I, I've been able to avoid like lawsuits and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I, I heard I was, I believe that's happening.
1: Well, well let's finish up on a lighter note. Uh, you know, I mean, cause I know you've been on a lot of stress. How is it being a new father?
2: Oh man, it's so great. I got to show you a picture. I mean, I, I, Wow. You know, it's the greatest, isn't it? Yeah. It's the best thing ever. I mean, he's eight and a half months now. And like, it's just a joy. I never knew I could feel like this. And, I, you know, to there's, I wake up now early in the morning because I want to be there when he first wakes up and to, you know, walk in his room and have him open his eyes. And it's just, the, and see him smile. It's the most incredible thing. And it's all those cliches that every parent always says that I used to roll my eyes at and be like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm now saying them and I like, I'm showing people pictures of my kid, which are people I always used to be like, why are people always showing me pictures of their kids? I totally get it now. And I was. Hey,
1: hey, Anderson, those are white people too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, Chuck, Chuck will agree with this too, though. Anderson, that baby. It represents this line of demarcation.
2: I just feel like I woke up and I'm like, well, I don't know what I was doing.
1: Yeah, but I'm just telling y'all, y'all know I'm right. White people have this habit. They have to show us pictures of their kids all the time. My friends text me pictures of their kids all the time. I'm like, yo man, I know your kid. I know your kids cute. Black people don't do that. We do not we 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 love our kids, but we don't send baby pictures to other black folks. My white friends send me pictures all the time of they their kids doing cute stuff. And it drives me nuts. Hey, Chuckster.
0: Look at my two two of my granddaughters watching TV at the house the other day. You know, Ernie, uh,
1: (laughs) my daughter's getting married in a couple months. You are the proudest grandfather in the world. I mean, nobody loves their grandkids more than you and Cheryl Ann. And man, when I've been around you at your house or when they came in the studio, the light that you light up when you see your grandkids. There's nothing like it, man. It's pretty special. I cannot wait to experience that.
0: No, you need it too because, and Anderson, these are crazy times. And, you're, and you look for things to kind of ground you and return you to some sense of normalcy. And especially in a job like you've got where, shoot, you walk in the door to do your show and you don't know what kind of hell is going to break loose before you go home. Yeah. I mean, but to be able
2: to come home and, and, you know, see him and it's great. I tend to be like being live in my head and like I've focused on work for 25 years or something and just travel constantly. And suddenly, finally, it's like I woke up and I realized, oh, you know what? There's actually more important stuff out there. Yes.
0: We appreciate very much uh, the time you've given us and uh, you've been very gracious with your time. We do want to wish you, I know it's early, this is only January, February, and March, so um, a little less than three months. Um, uh, happy early Dingus Day to you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Dingus Day isn't some totally fake holiday cooked up by a Seinfeld writer like Festivus. Dingus Day is a real thing, obscure, but real. It's a Polish-American tradition celebrating the end of Lent, the day after Easter. The quirky little rituals include boys sprinkling girls that they fancy with water. And the girls striking back with a tap from a pussy willow branch <laughs> <laughs> It's really so stupid <laughs> <Stop>.
0: Come on. <laughs> Come on.
3: Let it
0: out. <laughs> 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 oh, it was that was just such a moment. You and know,
2: after that, uh, you know, because what? Uh, so don't I, tell I, me Dingus
0: thought, Day sued you.
2: Well, no, they didn't sue. I saw. <laughs> I, was laughing. I laughed, was laughing uncontrollably at Pussy Willow, and while I was laughing, I said under my breath, "Oh, this is so stupid," meaning. In my mind, What I was saying is like, oh, this is so stupid that I'm doing this again, that I've broken down laughing. It's going to end up on YouTube. It's going to become a thing. Well, the folks in Buffalo, which is where Dingus Day is celebrated best, I guess some people believed I was saying under my breath, like, this is so stupid, meaning Dingus Day is so stupid, which I was not saying, and I do not think, and I love these I love regional celebrations I think they're really cool and I, I had never heard of it before. The next day in Buffalo I was like Osama bin Laden like on public ra- on radio in Buffalo New York I was like public enemy number one and there was a there was actually a demonstration in the streets against me with people saw carrying signs saying Anderson Cooper is a pooper which I haven't heard since kindergarten <laughs> I ended up the next day going on air and making a public apology if anyone believed that that's what I was saying because that's not what I was saying and the head of Dingus Day came on my program and he was very kind he accepted my apology and he invited me to come next year to Dingus Day and he offered to make me the Pussy Willow Prince <laughs> I appreciate to it. turn
0: that down <laughs> <laughs> and you know as the guy said in the piece it's funny because it's spelled with a Y <laughs> You're a great sport, man. It's been so good talking to you and catching up. Thank you for all your insights, and
1: thanks for all you do for so many folks, night in and night out. Thank you, Anderson, and good luck next week. That should be interesting. It always is. <laughs> it always is. Hey, you have a great day, man. I appreciate you. Thanks a lot. Thank
0: you, and give that baby a hug. All right. Welcome back to the steam room. Embrace yourself. Uh, look, we began this podcast. Uh, Charles going all in on Tim Kylie, who has family ties to the Pittsburgh Steelers dating uh, for generations, and he's hurting this week, but he's a gamer because there you see him in his Steeler hat.
1: Well, if he got family ties to the Steelers, he can go see them because they're not busy right now. I'm just putting my shower cap
4: on, Ernie, for the shit show Chuck's going to let go on me. So (laughs) it's all good, Chuck. You might want to get an umbrella. I'll tell you what the problem is. Our coach got beat by a coach who was in his basement.
1: See, now you go blaming the coach again. Oh, oh, okay. What are you going to blame? I told you going in, I thought it was going to be a field goal game. Right. But that was one of the most shocking games I've ever seen. I'm not going to lie. You sitting there like, Okay, they had a bad snap. They're up seven zip. Oh, they have 14 zip. They have 21 zip. And that was still four minutes to go in the first quarter. (laughs) But you know what? Listen, I was actually, I was happy for the Browns. Uh, Personally, obviously, I'm not a Browns fan. But, you know, I think the Browns fan base is, they're right up there with the Bears, the Raiders. You like them this week? I think it's going to be a good game. I really do. I think they in trouble. I think the Kansas City Chiefs, if you go look at their schedule, they won all the games, but they were really close games. So I think sometimes when you try to turn it on, you can't do that. I thought the Chiefs were kind of just like, we got the best team, we got the most talent, and then it always worked out for them. And uh, so I think it's going to be a hell of a game. I just wonder if that Browns win was lucrative for the Chuckster. Uh, it was very lucrative for the Chuckster. Oh, and let me just tell you something. I just got to say this one thing. I've heard that before. You suckers uh, who did not let the Chicago Bears kick that extra point. Oh, God. You better not never let me find out where you live. Hey, our boy SVP. That was a bad beat right there, man. That was a Scott Van Pelt and my man Stanford Steve that was a bad beat. I mean, I'm thinking like, oh, I'm gonna get oh, I'm gonna get a backdoor cover. I'm like, uh, and which would have been a push. I wasn't even gonna win. I was gonna get a push. And I'm like, wait, they're not gonna kick the extra point. You got backdoored already. Right. Yeah, I did get backdoored. <laughs> good Lord giveth and the good lord taketh
4: away, Chuck. He did, brother. What about Brady and Breeze? Saints are giving three.
1: You know, you know, this theory that you can't beat the. You've heard this before, TK. You can't beat the team three times. I've always thought that was bogus. Wait, we just beat them two times in a row. I just think the Saints got their number. No, let me rephrase that. Nobody's going to beat Tom Brady three times in a year. I'm going oh. with that was kind of
0: a drastic turn.
1: <laughs> like, I just don't see somebody being Tom Brady three times in a year.
4: Ernie, that was like his review of 1917. Oh, It was a compelling drama, but I didn't see it.
0: Yeah. It was just like a lot of those military movies. And it was the, uh, uh I didn't,
4: well, actually I didn't see that. Movie. And Tom Brady, I trust. I right, Chuck, closer to home. Doug Peterson.
1: I was surprised that he got fired. Uh, You know I'm an Eagles fan. That's not a great job right now. With no cap space, you got to make a decision on the quarterback. But I was surprised Doug got fired. But he totally, totally mishandled the quarterback situation. Yeah. And then he totally mishandled that last game of the year. Uh, I just don't think you can do that. I think you owe it to the teams and your sport. You can't just do that. I I just think that was wrong.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah, somebody's sitting there like the Giants, sitting there watching that with their possible playoff hopes on the line, and all of a sudden... Crazy.
1: You know, Ernie, uh, I had a, a, a... You know, I watched all the guys on TV talking, and they, they're they bashing the Giants because they got mad. But if you flip it around, if I'm a Philadelphia Eagle and the Giants do that, I'm going to be pissed. So I, I agree with the Giants in this situation. I'm not going to lie. Well, boys... We'll see what happens this weekend. Hey, if you need Super Bowl tickets, call me and Fiorello. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah sure, yeah, whatever. You just had him losing. <laughs> no problem. Chuck, you know what? You're the only African American man I know is rooting against Tomlin, so
1: he can go. Oh, oh, see. Oh, see, there you go. All right. Okay. I'm just gonna pull the race card on you. Hey, why don't you introduce me to Coach Tomlin? You know I'm a big Tomlin fan. If you're so big with the Steelers, won't you hook me up with? Uh, hey, I would love to take Coach Tomlin out for dinner and drinks. All right, there you go. Hook we'll, that up. We'll get brother. it fixed up.
0: Make it happen, T.K. Make, it happen, Make it, happen it
4: happen, man. There you go. See you, T. See you next week, boys. Yes, sir. Chuck and Ernie in steam room. Come and join us in steam. Chuck and Ernie in the steam room. Leave your towel on in the steam room.
0: Final segment of the steam room and uh, our first show of 2021. And as always, we wrap it up old school style with Chuck's answering machine. I understand we have just one
1: call. This week, and it's supposed to be really good. They said we had to, we only going to have one call, but it's really long and it's really good. So I'm excited. We'll let the listeners be the judge. Roll it. You've reached Charles Barkley. Leave a message, America. Hello, Chuck, and hello to the best part of the steam room, Ernie
3: the Goat Johnson. My name's Declan, and I'm a high school senior from Overland Park, Camps. I spent the last couple months spending hours and hours on college applications. But I couldn't find anything great to write about for my main college essay until inspiration finally struck me. I love Saturday Night Live, and I thought Charles has been a great host. I especially love the time you hosted in 2018, Chuck, and your opening monologue has always stuck out to me. Your words on how shut up and dribble is an idiotic term were wise. But the part that has stayed especially fresh in my memory is when you said CB Vineyards is, and I quote, the only Chardonnay that pairs great with a sausage biscuit. It was just a simple throwaway joke, but I took it into my own life and thought it would make a great college essay. I used the quote to talk about how my life has always been a mix of Chardonnay and sausage biscuits. I grew up in a small Kansas town with a single mom, which is about as sausage biscuity as you can get. But when my mom moved our family to the wealthy suburbs of Oakland Park, I was introduced to a whole new world of Chardonnay. It was a long process, but I finally wrote an essay I was proud of, and with it, I ended up getting into Northwestern University on a full-ride scholarship, where I planned to get a degree in film. You guys do truly amazing work on this podcast, inside the NBA, and even SNL. Even the smallest things can end up saying a whole lot about the world and the people in it. As much as Shaq makes fun of you for your Auburn education, Charles, it helped me get into Northwestern, and I'm truly thankful for it. Wow.
0: That is tremendous, and, and a full ride to Northwestern,
1: study film. Shout out to my boy, Ooh. Mike Wheelbun and Jay Junday, Day, a great Northwestern guys. Hey, man, uh, Declan, number one, man, go give your mom a hug, man. Go give your mom a hug. You know, coming from a single mom family, before my mom passed away, I thanked her a tremendous amount for helping me and my brother's didn't doing whatever it took just to survive. And your mom, she put that Northwestern in you. You would not have even come close unless she she was an amazing woman to take you from the country to the suburbs. I mean, she had to be working her behind off and she had to be a great mom also. So before you do anything, man, you go give your mom a hug and say, mom, just thank you. Just a simple, simple thank you and a hug. You're going to make her proud. Uh, And let me tell you something, to get in the Northwestern, that is an amazing, amazing accomplishment. So you're ahead of the curve, brother. I wanna thank you for the kind words. We've had some amazing calls on the podcast. And listen, and I've told Ernie this, publicly and privately, when we first started doing this, I had like, I had no idea what this thing was going to be. But every time we get a call like yours, I remember the guy in the military last year who was uh, suffering from PTSD and he said that we were the only thing to make him laugh and it was awesome. And the lady who had lost her job said she started walking and listening to the podcast. And I'm so thankful for the people at Turner for giving us a podcast. You know, we try to have great guests on. We want to talk about stupid stuff in the world. So uh, (laughs) thank you for your kind words, man. And kick butt at Northwestern. It's always a pleasure.
0: It's always uh, it's always great to just kind of hang out and uh, and talk and, and catch up. And it's it's not like we're on the air on TNT, Chuck. It's a lot more no. informal, just kind of hanging out and talking to an old friend. So um, tell everybody you can be a loyal steamer. And, uh, and also, 404-987-0330 if you would like to leave the Chuckster a message on Chuck's answering machine. Hey, I'll see you in a few hours when we uh, when we do the NBA on TNT. I look forward to it, brother. And we'll have much more to talk about next week when you join us on the Steam Room. Keep those towels on. See y'all.